Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. So we've been going for a year and a half, and one of my favorite things is you just meet some great people along the way. One of my mentors told me, when you meet somebody, you just feel this kind of tug on your heart, don't ignore it. God is literally creating a relationship, uh, and it's for a purpose. And so I want to say two years, year and a half ago, we first met in L.A. Yeah, a year and a half ago. It's a nice restaurant in L.A., and uh, we were hanging. And then uh, one of our overseers, we have one of the same overseers of our church. Uh, and then also we went to a couple other uh, pastor gatherings together. And Josh... Anderson is one of the greatest humans. I just love him. Like right away, I was like, I like this dude. And he is planning a church in three weeks in Denver, Colorado. What? 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 So he's a great dude, but he's a little crazy. You know what I'm saying? Because you got to be a little crazy to plan a church. Uh, and so uh, one of the things I love is our, about our church is we're not a, just about mission church. We're about the church. And so today we're going to be able to hear from somebody who's planning three weeks. We're going to pray for him at the end. What do you guys think? Should we give him some money to help plan a church? You guys think so? Yes, yes. All right. I like that. We're going we're to give the church some money. We're going to invest in Seasons Church. I'm really excited about that. So today we get to hear from my friend, my man, Pastor Joshua Anderson. Give it up, everybody. Thank you. Hey, what's going on, Mission Church? How you feeling this morning? Are you awake yet, Mission Church? How you feeling this morning? There we go. It's a little bit better. Hey, I just... Uh, I just want to say I love your pastors so much, and um, it's only been a year and a half, but just like Tyler was saying a second ago, something just happens. God does something sometimes in certain relationships in your life, and, and, and uh, I've always heard it referred to as the divine flow. That's just like you just kind of know there's something about this guy, there's something about that girl, there's something about that person, there's something special here. This is somebody that I, I can build with, I can do life with. And, uh, and from the beginning, Tyler and Rachel have been that to my wife, Becca, and I. And uh, the more we get to hang around them, the more I love them, the more I value them, the more I appreciate them, the more I respect them. And uh, I got to spend all day yesterday just rolling around with Tyler. And I got to do Napa for the first time. Yeah, that was absolutely amazing. And uh, what a treat. And we just talked church. And one of the things that I remember from that lunch, the first lunch that we had about you, you have such a hunger to grow as a leader, to study church, to study people. And um, I think that's why God's able to use you and this church to just do what's happening. That's so special right here in Walnut Creek. Are you grateful for your pastors? I think you ought to put your hands together. Best clap of the day, come on. We love these guys. And we just celebrate all the amazing things that are going on right here at your church. Come on, three services, a year and a half in? Like, I'm three weeks away from starting this church, but if we have three services a year and a half in, I'm going to feel pretty good about myself. I'm going to feel pretty good about where our church is at. So I think that's, that's, not, just a, uh, that's not something just to gloss over. That's something to celebrate. You ought to be expected for that third service. You ought to be inviting people, praying for God to use that third service. And, uh, and if you got to sit closer to the front because the room's a little empty, you ought to do that too. Come that third service and let's fill it back up. You're making room for more people, whatever it takes. I just say, let's, uh, let's make room for more people to find Jesus and find place in community because that's why the church exists. It's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. Hey, um, I want to introduce and just shout out somebody else. I got Christian Chavez on the front row. Christian's a big part of our team. Just moved from Birmingham, Alabama. Graduated uh, from Highlands College. It's a Christian leadership college there. Just moved. He got married three weeks ago. Turned 22 yesterday. And he traveled with me 
And uh, they just moved to Denver and they're already part of our team and helping serve and build this church. And lastly, I would just like to introduce you to my family. Is that cool this morning? I think we got a picture. Let's throw them up here. This is my amazing family right there to my, well, as we look at the screen to my left, uh, that is my amazing wife of 17 years. That's Becca. And uh, one, I mean, truly one of God's greatest gifts to me. Uh, I say I've been mar happily married for 17 years. I think Becca's been happily married for maybe 14, 15 of those years. I'm a work in progress, what can I say? Hey, out of that marriage, we've got four kids and um, they absolutely blow my mind. I'm just trying not to screw them up. God made them pretty good. And uh, so my oldest is to my, my right there. Uh, that's Nora Kate, she's 14 years old. Uh, Liam is my son, he's 12 right there in the denim shirt. All the way on the far right, that's Lola Jane. She's eight years old. And then on the far left, that's Liam, He just or that's Judah. He just turned six years old. He got his first stitches a few months ago, so he's a man now in his book. But uh, that's my incredible family. God's been so good to us. Has he been good to you? Come on, put your hands together. Let's just, we're gonna clap a lot today. Just clap because it feels good, huh? Hey, um, I understand that last week, my pastor, Chad Beach, was here with you guys last week. Did you enjoy Pastor Chad? I spent the last three years uh, uh, serving him and, and Zoe Church uh, with him and Julia in, uh, in Los Angeles. And um, it was about this time, just a little over a year ago, and we started talking with them and processing and just sharing with them what God had put on our heart. And they were so incredible to us throughout that whole process, led us so well through the transition and sent us off to Denver, Colorado. And uh, we're planting Seasons Church. Um, like Tyler said, we are, um, we're about to start in three weeks. We got a lot of work to do. So I'm hopping back on a plane this afternoon. I'm gonna go home tomorrow and we're gonna just keep crushing. And, uh, but these last three years were so special with Chad and Julia and um, Tyler told me I was gonna preach after him and I was just like well isn't that just like normal it's like it's great you know here about a year and a half ago he was in a series on grace and he preached beautifully masterfully on the subject of grace for like six weeks in a row and he was like hey I want you to preach this weekend and I was like great what do you want me to preach on he's like grace I was like oh yeah perfect the subject you just preached on for six weeks it's amazing, but uh, can't get away from it. I love them so much. They've been so generous to us. And so we're in Denver, and, um, and we've got a great team of people that God's already brought together. We're believing for big things. We're believing for uh, our church to play a part in the bigger scene of what's going on in Denver. We believe God's heart is towards that city. It's towards his people, and we're doing our best effort to make the kingdom of God a little bit bigger and to help people find Jesus so they can follow him. So one of the things that's interesting, I'm gonna preach kind of out of the story we've been in for the, the this last year. And uh, one of the things that's really interesting moving to Denver is, you know, um, there's certain parts of the country, you know, they're like, you know, it's like church is part of the culture. And if we go to the South and certain parts, maybe in the Midwest, it's like a little more church culture. Well, Denver's not really that, you know, Denver's not really just church culture. You don't just, you go to the mountains on Sunday, you go to the mountains on Saturday, you go to the mountains on Tuesday if you get fresh powder. It's just kind of the, the routine. But people have missed and they don't understand what a life-giving community can actually do for their life. Because we believe that when your, your relationship with God through Jesus gets better, every part of your life actually gets better. And so um, when we showed up, it was just kind of interesting to see the response towards church planning. It, to be honest, it wasn't very favorable. Not a lot of people really thought, oh, you know, a church will do really well. You should probably just kind of lower your expectations on what happens here. And I was hearing all these statistics and logistics that are set against church planning. And to be honest with you, I just remember sitting in this one meeting and hearing some of this stuff and I thought, you guys still remember like who we serve, right? Like y'all remember whose team we're on, right? And this, this thought out of the, the passage that I'm gonna preach out of today, Numbers chapter 13, just kept coming up into my head, for we are well able, for we are well able. 
And so I just want to read to you a few verses today. I'm going to read to you out of Numbers chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 26. And I want to give you just a quick bit of context to kind of help you understand what's happening in these verses that we're going to read. The children of Israel, the people of Israel had been in slavery for 400 years in Egypt. They'd been in captivity. They were forced into manual labor by the Egyptians. God delivers them by a leader named Moses. And he's leading them now to a land that he has designated. He has set aside. He's made a covenant that this was going to be their land. Many, 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 many years earlier before this. So he's now leading them. Moses is leading them across the desert. They're, they're on their way to the promised land. And there's such an expectation about this. You know, one of the things I love about the era, that the, the, the time that we live in today is we got Google, we got Instagram, we got Yelp. Like before I go to a restaurant or stay at a hotel, I'm already looking at pictures. I'm already looking at the menu. I'm already looking at prices. I know where I'm going to stay, how I'm going to get there, all that. Well, these guys, we don't have none of that. So there's this expectation, like we know this land's supposed to be good. We've heard about it. We have no idea what we're getting into. And so they're on the way. And Moses decides, says, I'm going to send out a recon team. He picks 12 men, one from each tribe of, of Israel. And he gives them the assignment, go into this land, scout it out, find out what it's like, find out what the vegetation is like, what the trees are like, find out what, if there's people there, what's the soil like, is stuff growing there? Is it as good as Napa Valley? I'd like to think that it was. So here we are, we're going to pick up. This is after 40 days. This has been a 40-day excursion. They come back. Verse 26, we're going to pick up. It says, they came back, talking about the 12 spies, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is some of its fruit. So, so far, so good. They're like, yep, it's amazing. It's flowing with milk and honey. We got great fruit. We're off to a good start. And then we hit verse 28, and they said, but the people who live there are very powerful. And the cities there are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. This was, they were describing people that had gigantic physical structure. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country, the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. So all of a sudden it starts off well, they hit this, this, this one point and the thing just turns. They're like, but we got a problem. There's an issue here. There's some people there, there's some cities there, there's walls there. We got a challenge. We have an obstacle to this thing. And the whole tone of their, their, their report just takes a turn for the worst. There's only two spies that actually held on to a good report. That was Caleb and Joshua. And look what it says in verse 30. Then Caleb stood up and silenced the people before Moses. What a boss. This guy just shh, silences everybody. And he says, we should go up and take possession of the land for we are well able. So Caleb stands up in the face of this, this, this negative report that the other 10 spies bring. And he goes, no, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. We can do this. We are well able. We should go up and take possession of this land. If God's with us, we can go and we can do it. And so this morning, I just want to talk around this thought just a little bit. We're going to talk about challenge. We're going to talk about obstacles. And if you're taking notes this morning, I'm just going to title this message, For We Are Well Able. Just those five words. I love them. And that's what we're going to title the message today. Before we go any further, I just want to take a moment. And we're going to pray together. We're going to ask God by His Holy Spirit to do what only He can do in these moments. So if you would, let's bow together. Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love, your faithfulness. Lord, this morning as we approach your word, we just ask you in Jesus' name that you would help us to understand you better, to see Jesus more clearly. God, that you'd speak to us by your Holy Spirit and that our lives would be changed, that our perspective would be changed as a result of this. 
We'll give you all the praise and all the glory for what happens. And it's in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. 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 Hey, can you put your hands together to thank Lacey for playing, and really the whole worship team. They did such a great job leading us this morning. Hey, I don't know about you, but um, I, I like a little bit of a challenge, okay? I like a little bit of a challenge in life. I find a challenge kind of gets me going. A challenge kind of gets me started. If I'm on the basketball court, somebody gets, you know, they kind of jostle me a little bit early, I kind of find myself playing a little bit better, playing a little more aggressive. I like a little challenge. At the beginning of, uh, of 2019, like many of you, I made some, some New Year's goals, some resolutions, some things I just thought, you know, I want to I progress, I want to grow in a couple of areas this year. And uh, there was one area in particular, I just kind of wanted to see what I was capable of. Now you gotta understand something. I'm a dessert guy. I'm a sweets guy. I love candy, I love cake, I love mint chocolate chip ice cream, I love red vines, Oreos, M&Ms, peanut M&Ms, I love all of it, okay? It's equal opportunity candy and like sweet eater. I just, I can, I can hang with the best of them. And so this year, now I've had like some, some moments like over my life where I've you know, maybe showed a little restraint here and there, maybe 30 days, 60 days. I think one time maybe went 90 days and kind of like held back on that stuff. And I thought, you know, this year, in 2019, it's kind of a big year, a special year. I kind of wanted to do some stuff and just push it a little bit. I thought, could I even go like a whole year? Like in my condition, in my state, with my addiction, can I even, would it even be possible to go like a whole year with no treats, no sweets, no desserts, nothing? That means no holidays, birthdays. I mean, there's no Saturdays, no everydays, nothing. Like, can I do this? I asked my wife, I was like, babe, I'm thinking about trying this. Do you think I'm crazy? She's like, yes, you are. I was like, well, okay. I just think it's enough to like get the best out of me. So I can tell you as of today, September 22nd, I haven't had one bite all year going on nine months. Your boy feels pretty good. And uh, I've got some other goals I'm not really crushed, but I'm just gonna talk about that one because you know, it makes me feel good about myself. You know, I'm just gonna celebrate what's worth celebrating. But I love that. You know, the challenge is what I loved about CrossFit. Now, as soon as I said CrossFit, you judged me because you looked at my legs and you were like, bro, you are the worst spokesperson for CrossFit I have ever seen, which is why I'm starting Orange Theory and compensating with a floral power shirt this morning. But I did, I had a short run, an eight-month run with CrossFit a few years back, and it was the best, like, shape I had ever been in my life. I felt so good. I loved CrossFit, but I loved the challenge of it. Now, if you've ever done CrossFit, you know that you don't look at the workouts of CrossFit before you do them. Like, they're so tough, you just like show up and let the coach yell at you and you just do it because if you look at it, you're like, I'm just gonna stay home and I'm just gonna eat some M&Ms, you know, because it's like, who wants to go through the brutality of CrossFit? But I love, I love the challenge of it. You know, the reality is challenges aren't bad when you get to choose them. Like when you have a part to play in choosing which challenge you're gonna undertake, I'm gonna choose this workout, I'm gonna choose this eating plan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose you know, to pursue this, this degree, or I'm gonna choose to start this, but it's great when, when you have a challenge that you choose, but what happens when you face a challenge that you, you didn't choose? A challenge that you weren't expecting? What about then? A couple years ago when we were living in Los Angeles, I had a chance to go surfing and was kind of trying to work it out. And like four of us went out, we had three boards. I get it, it's not good math, you're right. So we went out and a guy was hosting us and a bunch of us were kind of new and we were getting started and we were trying to get, get up on these waves and get some runs in. And we're having a great time. Our host was kind of out there just getting everybody started, making sure they kind of knew what they were doing. And after a little while, you know, I mean, let's be honest, if you've ever surfed, you know it like torches your shoulders, right? At least the way that I was doing it, right? Everything I was doing was taking more energy. And so I've been out there for a while and I said, hey, I said to our host, I was like, hey, why don't you take the board and, and you give it a go? And I'll just kind of float out here, tread water, we're kind of out. 
little bit deeper. And so he starts getting a couple runs in, and I'm just kind of treading water, floating out there off the shore a little bit. We're just laughing. We're having fun. It's a great time. Well, all of a sudden, one of the guys points out, and he goes, hey, and he points to the shore, and we notice that the lifeguard has come out of his tower, and he's standing right where the water meets the sand, and he's right in front of us, and he's waving, and he's pointing. And we kind of like look around, and we realize, well, there's not really too many other people like right here, and we look, and we realize he's gesturing at us. And in this moment, I don't know if you've ever seen those movies where like the camera zooms in on the guy, and he's like having that moment of realization. Like that's what's happening like internally to me as I realize I've been out here for a while. I'm a little bit tired. I thought I was kind of just you know, kind of making my way back to the shore when in reality I'm now out further than when I started. Now I got a lifeguard waving at me, pointing, and I realize what's happening. I'm caught in some kind of rip current. This thing's pulling me back out from, from the shore right now. And everything in that moment got very real, very real. I was not expecting the challenge that I was in in that very moment. And so instantly I start kind of just like swimming to the side. I'm like, this is all I know about this kind of scenario. And the guy's pointing at me. So I start just doing it. And, and uh, one of my friends with the surfboard is a little ways away. And I managed to get to him. And we're both hanging on to the surfboard. And he kick it. It takes us a while. We get out of this thing. We end up getting back to shore. But I can just tell you in that moment, I faced a challenge I was not expecting. A challenge I, I'm not even sure I was fully prepared for. And most certainly a challenge I would never have chosen. And this is the way that life is, though. Life has challenge to it. It's really inevitable. You're going to face challenge in life. In fact, it applies to every single person that's sitting in this room this morning. You will face challenge in your life. If for some reason you've managed to not by this point, which is pretty much impossible, you will. Because it's life. And life is full of challenge. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your upbringing. It doesn't matter your age, your gender, how much money's in your bank account. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter. You will face challenges in your life. And you're going to run up against things that are going to challenge you and stretch you and overwhelm you and, and really cause you to maybe see yourself in a completely different light. And in some ways, challenges reveal like really how you see yourself. And more importantly, challenges, they, they affect how you view God. And so we're all going to face challenges. And this is the thing I just want to start by leaving you with this morning, is that in this, this reality of life, I want you to know when you face challenge, every challenge comes with a choice. Every challenge has a choice to it. And in the time when you're facing a challenge, this is the choice that you're going to be faced with. Number one, you can either respond in faith or you can retreat in fear. This is really your two options. When you're faced with a challenge that maybe you didn't expect, you're going to have the choice to respond in faith or to retreat in fear. Now, your response, you need to understand this because your response really does determine the result. Like your response affects the outcome. And so your response today is really what we're going to zone and we're going to focus on, what we see in the story from Numbers 13, how the response really changed the outcome for the two parties, the ten spies versus Caleb and Joshua. The challenges have a way of revealing our character, who we are, what we really believe, and how we view God. And as today as we look at this example, I just hope that no matter what you're going through, what you're facing in your life, that these three things that we're going to talk about today will help you, that they'll encourage you, that will give you some clarity on how to walk through challenges, obstacles, and situations that you may be facing. Write down. I'm just going to leave you three quick thoughts. I'm just going to, number one this morning, you can write this down. It's very simple. It's this. We are able... Because he is able. 
We are able because God is able. Do you know why Joshua and Caleb had the confidence to stand up and say, you know what, we can go up and we can take the land. We can take possession of this. The reason that they had that level of confidence, the reason that they could respond differently than the other 10 spies is simply this. They knew that they had God's promise. They knew that they had God's plan. They knew that they had God's provision. They knew ultimately they had God's power. And that's what caused them to be confident and go, no, 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 we can go do this. We're able because we know God is able. We're able because we know what God has said. It's a totally different perspective than what the other 10 spies have. Now, you've probably heard, because I know uh, if you've been in church, you've probably heard this verse. It's, it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. But I want to read it today out of the Amplified Transition, because I just love how it's worded. So take a look at this with me. It'll be on the screen. It says, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. Like, I love this word. I love that they phrase it this way. This sounds like a word my kids would make up, right? Like when something's like, like just incredible, amazing, my kids are like, Dad, this is super double amazing. Like we get to go on a vacation, so they're just like freaking out super abundantly. I love the way it's phrased. Who can do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams? And watch this. It's according to what? His power that is at work within us. I just want to encourage you today, God is able, and it's his power in us that enables us to face the challenges of our life. We are able because he is able. You see, Joshua and Caleb recognize they're not the source of all this. Like, it's not all relying on them, their strength, their ability, their intellect. No, no, no. This, they understood that God was the source of their power. Uh, last summer, I got to take my family to, to Lake Arrowhead, and uh, we went up there, stayed at this house, came with a boat. I thought it'd be fun, Dad, you know, I'm going to get everybody out here. I'm going to boat Dad, you know, take him out on the boat, figure this thing out. And so I went out, scanned the instructions, you know, because I'm brilliant. And, um, and I went out and figured, all right, it's got to be fired up. There's a certain way in order. So I started flipping some switches and pushing some buttons and turning some knobs. And no matter what I did, I couldn't figure out how to get this boat started. I couldn't get this thing going. I'm like, man, I can't let my family down. I can't carry this kind of shame in front of my kids. So I'm like, all right. So I flipped to YouTube, and I'm like looking at videos of how to like start a boat. And I realized there's one thing that I had completely overlooked. One thing that I did not realize is that right next to the battery, there's one switch that has to be flipped. And once you flip that switch, you make the connection between the battery and the motor, the battery and the engine. And once that switch is flipped, now all of a sudden, the power rushes where it needs to go, and that boat can do what it's designed to do. You know, before that, the boat's kind of doing what a boat does. I mean, it wasn't sinking, but we couldn't, we couldn't enjoy it for all of the benefits that it offered us. We couldn't experience the best version of that boat until we connected it to the power source. And what you need to understand is if your life is not connected to God as your source, it will never function the way that it is supposed to function. That you'll never experience life the way that God designed you to experience life. And you have to understand the starting point of all this. Listen, I, like bravado is great, right? Like there's some, there's, there's some benefit to being a self-starter. Like there's something great about going, man, I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to make something of myself, make something of my life. I'm going to start a company. I'm going to build a business. I'm going to raise a family, whatever it is. But bravado is completely different than boldness, right? Like bravado, bravado is like so self-generated, if we're being honest. It says, like, I can do this because of who I am, what I have, and, and how smart I am. But, but boldness, on the other hand, that, that's spirit-generated. 
That says, I can do this because of who God is, because of what God has said, because of how God leads me. And there's a big difference between bravado and boldness. And just like that, 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 that battery on the boat, we've got to make sure that we're connected to the right power source. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is now living in you. That means that you, as a follower of Jesus, have God's Spirit. He puts His Spirit in you, and it enables you to live differently, think differently, operate differently than you ever would have before, than you ever would have in the past. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, on our own, we have limited hope. We have limited ability. We have to know that we're going to be connected to who God is. Now, this is what I love. This is how great our God actually is, is that the assignment and the ability, they go hand in hand. These two things go hand in hand. What does that mean? That means that if God asks you to do it, that the ask implies the answer. That whatever he calls you to do, he's going to equip you to do it. That when he asks you to step out, that he's also going to give you, he's going to grace you with what you need in order to do it. The assignment and the ability go hand in hand. So when God says to the children of Israel, I want you to go to the promised land, 10 of these guys come back and go, hey, panic moment, sound the alarm, we can't do this. And the other two are going, hold on just a second. If God told us we should go up there, then we, then we clearly have what it takes to go do this. And when we remember that the assignment and the ability goes hand in hand, it enables us to move into and walk in the, the things that God has called us to. And if God calls you to it, he's going to see you through it. Aren't you glad for that this morning? Come on, thank God. Put your hands together and thank God for what he's doing. Hey, write down number two. Focus on the promise, not the problem. Focus on the promise, not the problem. You see, we're not to orient our lives around the problems. We're to orient our lives around the promise. Or maybe I should go a step further. We should be orienting our lives around the promiser, the one who made the promise, the one who has the ability to fulfill the promise that he made. Because you need to understand that your perspective matters. Your perspective matters. The way that you see things, the way that you view things, it changes everything about your situation. You know, I've taken my kids out. Judah's my youngest. He's six. And I can't tell you how many times in his life he said, Dad, will you lift me up? Dad, will you hold me? We would go to Disneyland, and I may be pointing off something in the distance, and I'm looking over the crowd, and I'm like, guys, look over there. That's where we're going. Or check out that. Look at that, look at that character. This is going to be incredible. And he's come running up, and he's like, Dad, no, I can't see it. And, and I realize, oh, from my vantage point, I have a clear sight line. When I scoot down to his oh, we got a very different reality. And so once I lift him up and I get him on my level and I let him see from my perspective, it's incredible what happens. And he begins to see things from a completely different vantage point. And it changes the way that he thinks about it. Have you ever stood in one of those like, you know, funhouse mirrors? It's like, it's all like, make, it makes you real short and wide. It's like real wavy. It's like you, but not really you. You know, maybe you've been in a dressing room, you're trying a pair of pants and it's like, man, smoking. And you get home and you look in the, mir the mirror and you're like, what was this? What's happening? The mirror can distort what's in reality. What's there? The lighting helps. And sometimes challenges change the way that you view yourself. It does something because your perspective actually kind of messes with you. We got to have the right perspective. We need to focus not on the hurdles, not on the challenges, not on the obstacles. We're to focus our attention on God, on the promises, the things that he's given us. 
I love this quote from David Guzik. He's a theologian, wrote a commentary on this passage of the Bible. And I want to read to you what, what he said, because I just think he says it so well, so eloquently. He said that unbelief often presents itself as being factual or practical or down to earth. Yet the most factual, practical, and down to earth thing that we can do is trust the word of the living God. Their unbelief, talking about the 10 spies, their unbelief was not according to the facts, but it was despite the facts. Significantly, two men could see the exact same sights, the same grapes, the same men, the same land, the same cities, and one could come away singing in faith, the other is filled with a sense of certain doom. I want you to get this. Ultimately, faith or unbelief does not come from, it doesn't spring from circumstances or environment but from our hearts, which God must change. Do you know how to tell where your focus is? You got to listen to the words coming out of your mouth. They're coming up out of your heart. And we need to allow God to go to work on our heart. We need to remind ourselves of the promises that God has made to you and to me through his word. We need to remind ourselves of verses that help encourage us. Like Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That says, hey, get your attention back. Put your attention on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. That means he had a goal. He had a vision. There was a joy that was set before him that he was focused on and said, I'm going to walk through this challenge that's in front of me, scorning at shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I just say, today, we ought to be people who set our focus not on the problems, but on the promise, that we ought to be people that carry the perspective of faith, that have the right, the correct perspective on who God is, what God has said, and what that means for you and I. Write down number three this morning, go all in. Go all in. If you skip ahead in this story to Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, it's really significant what happens. God begins to deal with this situation because after this negative report, the Israelites just lost their minds. They start freaking out. Everybody's panicking. They're up all night, mumbling, groaning, complaining, wailing. And they basically get to this point where they go, you know what? We'd just be better off back in Egypt. We should never have been out here. We should be back in Egypt. We should be back to just, just living in slavery. Living in, it was better then than where God's taken us. So God shows up and he starts talking with Moses. And he's talking about what's going to happen in this situation. But I love what he says here in verse 24 of chapter 14. He says, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit, I want to have a different spirit. I want people to, I want God to look at me and go, something different about, about you. And we hosted this event this last week as we're kind of in, in, in process of launching this church. And there was a guy that was there, not for the event. He was there to kind of just work for the, he was on the venue staff. And he snagged me afterwards. And he goes, he goes, man, he's like, I've not seen a church like this. You guys are doing something different. And I thought, man, that's what I want to hear. Hopefully people look at what God's doing in Seasons Church. Hopefully God's looking at what he's doing, what pe people are looking at what God's doing in your life and in Mission Church and going, you know what, there's something different about this. I want God to go, man, there's something different about the way that he, he believes, the way he trusts, the way he serves, the way he follows. So God says, my, my servant Caleb has a different spirit and he follows me wholeheartedly. He follows me wholeheartedly. So I will bring him into the land that he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Wholehearted. What does this mean? It means complete sincerity or commitment. These are the people that just throw their heart into whatever it is that they're doing. I love people like this. 
they're attractive, they're magnetic, they're inspiring to be around. You just like want to be around people that are like, no, it doesn't matter what you're into, you're just in it like all the way. Like I respect that. Even if it's not something I'm into, I just love the fact that you're into it, you're wholehearted about it. Let's be honest, there's nothing worse than like dealing with somebody that's half-hearted in what they do. There's nothing worse than that. We want to be around people that say, you know what, I'm giving this all that I got. It's that give it all we've got kind of mentality. And the wholehearted life leads to wide open doors. See, because Caleb followed God wholeheartedly, God said, hey, I'm going to bring him into the land. I'm going to give it to his descendants. I'm going to let them enjoy it. You see, God actually, with these other 10 spies in the generation, all the parents in that group that basically mumbled, murmured, complained, said, let's just go back to Egypt. God said, okay, have it your way. You're not going to enter the promised land. Your kids will. But Caleb and Joshua were the only two of those spies that got to go in and experience the promised land. See, the wholehearted life leads to wide open doors. And I think that wholehearted living is really characterized by unchecked obedience. That means, hey, there's no hesitations. There's no reservations. There's no qualifications on this thing. God, like, I'm, I'm in. I'm wholehearted. My obedience is unchecked. And here's what I want you to understand this morning is that your obedience actually creates opportunities for others. Your parents, your obedience to follow God, to follow his word, actually creates opportunities for your children. It creates an opportunity for relationship with God. Business leaders, you stepping out, following God, using sound biblical principles, following God's truth in the way that you lead your teams and lead your companies and lead your organization will actually create opportunities for more people. I, I think about Tyler and Rachel stepping out. Their obedience to God actually created opportunities for every person that's in this service today. And you know what? Here in a few weeks, when this third service starts, we're creating more opportunities. As they lead and they hear from God, and they go, you know what? We've got to be sensitive to what God's doing. We're going to create more room. And you know what? It's not going to stop there. It's the third service today, but who knows where it goes? And so we're responding wholehearted. If we're taking everything that we've got and we're throwing it in, and we're saying, God is yours, we're going to create new opportunities for other people. I just think it's, there's an incredible power when we say, God, I'm in. I'm living wholehearted for you. Take it, it's yours. We all know the story of David and Goliath. We've heard the story of this, you know, but, but the reality is what's so interesting is what you find out later, okay? In 1 Samuel chapter 17 is where David faced Goliath, but if you look, if you skip down to 2 Samuel chapter 21, we see something amazing that happened. See, when David came on the scene to face Goliath, all the Israelite army was set back in fear. Nobody would challenge this guy. Nobody would step up. Nobody had killed a giant. Nobody even thought it was possible. They thought the situation was hopeless. David, in his obedience to God, steps up, following God, as the Bible says, wholeheartedly. He follows God, uh, is leading, and he slays the giant. And then later in 2 Samuel chapter 21, what we find out is David had this kind of this crew, this posse, his mighty men, and the Bible's like listing all the exploits of this. And what we find out is that were four of these guys that also killed giants, so before David, nobody thought it was possible to kill a giant. After, after David did it, you got four of the guys that are like, hey, like, let's go. Like This guy this is going to be the same thing that we saw before. See, your obedience is what opens the door and creates opportunity for other people. If we'll only step in to what God has called us to. But this is the greatest part of all. It's not all on you. It's not all on me. That's the best part. When we say, for we are able, it's not just because of us. It's not just because of our ability. We recognize that it's because of God, because of his grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
I don't know what area of your life you may feel weak in today. I know in a room like this with this many people, it's, it's impossible for there to be no challenges, no reality of life, no situations or struggles that you're facing today. And I may not know exactly what it is. If it's something with your job, if it's something with your finances, something with your health, something with your marriage, something with your kids or your family, whatever it is that you might be facing today, whatever area you feel weak in, whatever area you feel empty in, whatever area you point to, and I, I'm like, I'm coming up short here. Let 2 Corinthians just remind you, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For it's my strength that's made perfect in your weakness. That means wherever you feel weak, God's strength can rush in to bring change, to bring renewal, to bring life, to bring a, can bring a turn to the situation. I just go, man, if we, there's 300 some people in this room this morning. What would happen if we just chose to live these things out? If we just chose to respond in faith, not retreat in fear, when we see things in our lives and in our church and in our city where we just go, hey, like, you know what? I'm actually going to just remind myself I'm able because God's able. And I'm going to focus on the promises of God. I'm going to focus on the person of who Jesus is, not the problem. I'm not going to continue to magnify it. We know it's a reality, but I know who my God is. I know what Jesus has done for me. I know what the word of God tells me and what it allows for me and for my family. And what if we just respond and say, I'm all in. I'm going wholehearted with this thing. Maybe some of you today, you're still kind of serving God, but in a half-hearted way. You're still kind of hedging your bets. You're holding back. What would happen if you actually trusted him with every part of your life? Trusted him with your family. Trusted him with your finances. Trusted him with your decisions. Trusted him with your company. I think we're going to see God do something incredible, not just in your life, but in this church. And not just in this church, but in this city because of this church. And it will radiate out of this. And I just go, let's be those kind of people. Let's be the kind of people that carry the perspective of faith and move into us because we are well able. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.